Hey everybody, it's Yo Killer Country. My name is Brittany Ransom. And my name is Brian Joyner. And this is When Killers Get Caught, a podcast devoted to deep dives into the lives and psyches of the killers we love to learn about. Each week we'll discuss something new or interesting in the serial killer world. Then we'll discuss one well-known or lesser-known killer and go deep into their childhood, lives, methodology, and most importantly, how they got caught. And then because most serial killer fans love a little spook, Brian will lead us down the road of the paranormal into something that he found to be particularly creepy. This week, we are going to be talking about uh, Kathleen Fulbig and her continuing attempts to get her uh, essentially conviction overturned in Australia. Right, right, right. As well as a serial killer that was active in South Korea between 2003 and 2004. And then, as usual, Brian never tells us what's happening. No, you're going to have to burn me at a stake if you want to know. He likes to make puns. <laughs> but on discussing Kathleen Fulbig, uh, for people who don't know, uh, she is referred to as the most hated woman in Australia for suppose. Uh, well, she was convicted of killing all four of her children when they were infants. Yes. I think the oldest one was under two years old. I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Oh, my God. Uh, they believe that she smothered them. Originally, the thought process was sudden infant death syndrome. Uh, Which is a thing. It's a real thing. I remember at one point when I did covered this on the TikTok that uh, her husband had uncovered like a journal that he felt implicated her and he turned it over. Uh-huh. Um, she has, from the beginning of all of this, insisted that she is innocent. Um, these were all accidental deaths. And... Now there are about 90 scientists who are saying that she's correct. Sometime in roughly 2018-2019, I guess you call her defense team, did some, got some testing, did some blood work, and they sent that out to doctors. And now these scientists are saying that her children may have actually died from natural causes. And they are kind of demanding that she be pardoned she was supposed to this was something that was put up last year i remember reading about 2020 her trying to get her case overturned and that got bumped because nobody was really doing much court right during right. you know covid quarantine <laughs> situation i mean not saying there weren't crimes going on but there were right <laughs> <laughs> but uh they are now like these scientists have submitted a petition to the australian government Roughly 90 of them, two of them are Nobel laureates, saying that this has been like a grand miscarriage of justice and mm. that it's it's very plausible that her children died from a very rare genetic disorder. So I guess we're just going to have to wait and see what the... It, it's really interesting because it, it's really actually even more interesting is the fact that... Uh, I'm going to read to you the tagline from the New York Times article here. It says, the case of Kathleen Fulbeck has become a contest between cutting edge science and an Australian court system that sometimes ignores it. And (laughs) I would just say that that is, that is just, wow, coming from the United States. (laughs) Climate change denying, ignore everything about covid the like, audacity really? how dare we have the audacity to tell australia that they are ignoring science oh my god obviously <clears throat> i think that 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 journal that her husband submitted 
is probably weighing heavily on the court system. But then again, you know, when people are grieving, they write a lot, like people say a lot of weird things in private and maybe she felt guilty for the fact that her children died and she blamed herself. So that's why she might've written, you know, I killed my children, but like, she never actually said like, I smothered my babies. Like that's never anything that was written in that. No, but I mean, I killed my children basically kind of implies. Lady had like a, just a rough life. Um, Her first kid died only 19 days. After being born, they said it was sudden mm. infant death syndrome. The next child died two years later, eight months old. He was blind, had epilepsy, and it said that he choked to death mm-hmm. on his death certificate. And I'm like, well, we can't have a lot of health issues. She had another child who died at 10 months old that was also listed as SIDS. And then the last child died March 1999 at 18 months old. And that was initially just listed as an undetermined death. Um, it it seemed originally like you know a lot of tragedy. Yeah, a lot of people who are trying to have kids, you know, this is true. Have issues. They, yeah, there are problems that may arise. Um, the one thing that her husband turned in was that it said that her daughter Sarah she wrote that Sarah left with a bit of help, and so she told the authorities that what she wrote was capturing angst and despair of young motherhood and that a bit of help referred to her hope that God had taken her baby home. Of course, the prosecution said that a bit of help seemed like you helped it along. Uh, I hate to say this. I I, I thought of a stupid thing. What? <laughs> of course, like I usually do. But when you said like she left with a bit of help, I was like, oh, someone helped her like helped her like escape or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, no. Oh my goodness. They helped her escape life, maybe. Oh no. Oh. But either way, so there's an immunologist from uh, the Australian National University in Canberra that um, pretty much they found this rare mutation they call it the Calm Two gene, like C A L M two, and it's a genetic defect which creates um, heart arrhythmias, which can cause heart cardiac arrest in child and young and like infants and young children. Right. Right. Um, currently only about 75 people in the world have this genetic mutation. Really? So that's why it would very easily be like, misdiagnosed yeah, yeah, or yeah. overlooked. Um, it's not but, something that, yeah, you and all four of your children, though? Well, it says some parents mo- might not even know they have the, the mutation or not n- have any of the symptoms for it, mm-hmm. but that their children died in roughly 20 of the cases that they've followed. Hmm. Um, and then the little girl, Laura, um, they said that uh, there are triggers that can make that arrhythmia happy happen, specifically one we know, which is pseudoephedrine, which was a drug that Laura was taking when she died. And that's just basically like cold medicine, isn't it? Uh-huh. But yeah, so they took, they used blood and tissue samples that had been taken from the children bef- um, shortly after they were born, like, you know, right after the baby's right, yeah. born. And they did these uh, tests to determine that they have the same mutation as their mother. And the and the other issue that's kind of happening right now is that Fulbig has exhausted all of her formal appeals. Um, and so they had to go through a whole new process to get an inquiry into this case. 
Like some of these scientists submitted these crazy long like reports on this. And there's just been a lot of resistance. Um, They're probably like, I'm not trying to read all this. (laughs) (laughs) But it's an interesting, interesting thought process. I mean, this lady is considered to be like the worst kind of person that you could be. Yeah. To kill four of her children. Infants. In or, infancy. Well, most of, you know, most of them are infants, so yeah. That's This that's is crazy. still up in the air. We yeah. don't know what's going to happen in the coming months. Maybe Okay, so she knew she had this kind of like mutation, right? They didn't know about this until a couple of years ago. Oh, so now, so as soon as she found out, she's like, this is probably... Right. So as soon as her, her attorneys found out about it, they were like, well, listen, this is new information that we didn't have from before. Right. So you deserve for us to present this to the court and, and explain, you know, our thing. And the court system's like, listen, you already burned through all of your appeals. Just give it up. Give up the ghost. And so terrible. now these scientists are like, listen, no, like you may have put this woman in jail for absolutely no reason. She may have been in jail for the last 20 years for no reason. Sounds familiar. For some people. I yeah. mean, uh, that's why I said I thought the headline was just. It's, yeah. Chef's kiss for audacity. The just audacity. wow. Wow. How dare anybody in this country say to another country, you're ignoring science. Yes. <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. We just ignore science Not going all there. the time in the United States. There's people out there right now who are like, you know what? The earth is flat. <laughs> There's still, there are, well, you know. Yeah. Yeah, there are people taking like the kind of level that you use like on your wall mm-hmm. and putting it like carrying it in the plane and videotaping themselves going, see, it never moves. It always stays flat. And I'm like, <sighs> yeah, because the plane you're in is level. Doesn't oh matter God. that you're traveling around a curvature. It was so frustrating. Did, okay, so did you hear about the one guy? Uh, I know this is off topic, but we're going. We're staying on flat Earth for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So did you hear about the one guy? I, I don't forget where he's from, but he built like a rocket ship, his own little personal rocket ship to oh, Lord. to fly up high enough to see if the Earth there was a curvature to the, the Earth. Oh, okay. Um, what did he, he do? He died. Oh, it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, though, like, you can see it pretty easily. You just have to go up, like, into a really tall building. Yeah. I mean, he... Like, I've seen pictures that people have taken from, like, the top of Mount Everest. Mm-hmm. And you could see, like, the curvature of the Earth. That's how, like, they're, like, I don't know how many feet up in the air. But I'm, like, there's also, like, other really tall buildings, like, in Canada yeah. and in New York that you can go to and see... You don't have to launch yourself up. I mean, he did it in the with the jetpack, so, pretty much. So apparently, he he's done. He did it twice. The uh-huh. second time was second time is when he died. Yes, second time was his last time. Oh well. Yeah, I, re- I heard about this a while ago, and I was just like, oh. unfortunate. Oh, well, those conspiracy conspiracy theories. There you go. I'm not going to that. That's a that's a no. That's a no. That's a no. No. That's not a conspiracy theory that I'm interested in even talking about even remotely. No, not at all. Super. If someone brings up if someone says, Hey, I think the earth is flat, I'm like, okay, well, we can stop being friends now. I don't even I'll be like, you know what? That's good. Good for you. You go think about that. It's in the same way that like uh I I mentioned that I was excited that I get to get vaccinated this week. And somebody was like, you know, I just really have a lot of questions about it. And I was just like, bruh, Google is free. I When I saw which 
vaccine I was going to get. They gave me a sheet. I was able to Google everything that was in it yep. because I wanted to make sure that I, there was nothing that I could potentially be allergic to. I'm like, you just have to take the time to research. I don't know. Like, I know that my Google foo is strong, but <laughs> I feel like you can find basic information. Like, I'm just not doing this anymore. I'm not I'm not getting into these arguments. It's funny because we just watched a TikTok from somebody that I follow where she was just like, y'all need to stop arguing with children on the Internet. And I was like, you're right, which is why I don't do it anymore. Yeah. I, I don't argue <laughs> with anybody on the Internet. Like, and when it comes to the TikTok and people being like, you said that wrong, I'd be like, delete. <laughs> Listen, this is just me. I do not have a team of people to tell me how to pronounce every word in the world. This is true. So I am, sometimes mistakes will happen. And speaking of that, tonight I am talking about someone from South Korea. And uh, I have the only, I happen to listen to K-pop and watch a couple of uh, Korean TV shows. I've dabbled in uh, Duolingo in trying to learn some of the letters and things. But I guarantee you, I am not going to say (laughs) (laughs) everything or every name that needs to, has to be said here. I'm going to do my best, but. Since we are in that area, uh, one of the things that I realized since I started the whole TikTok and since we started this podcast is I'd only discussed one serial killer from Asia. Oh. Ever. And uh, I also spend the majority of my time on the TikTok talking about kind of the golden era of serial killers in the US, right, which right. is roughly the 70s and the 80s. So tonight I'm going to fix both of those. I'm going to be discussing a man by the name of uh, Yu Young Chul. He's a South Korean serial killer, spree killer, sex offender, a potential cannibal, arsonist, and a family annihilator. Active. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he had a, a rowdy life. That's a, a lot of stuff for one person. <laughs> one man. And this was mainly between September 2003 and July of 2004. What? What? <laughs> all, all in like about a 10-month period. That's, wait, July of uh, oh, 2003. Wait, no. What would you say? July 2003. September 2003 to July 2004. Okay, there you go. I was like, May. I thought you said May at first. And I was like, wait a second. So it was like a year. (laughs) But even by 10 10 months, it's still, that's crazy. Yeah. Okay. Um, He was also kind of dubbed the raincoat killer. There was a 2008 film from South Korea called The Chaser, kind of loosely based on his crimes. Uh, It's well reviewed and made about 35 million US dollars. Nice. Um, But the big thing about this case is that it caused a major debate or it furthered the debate, the debate in South Korea around capital punishment and whether we should still be doing it or if people like this, you know, it's the same debate that we're having around the world. Right, right. But uh, like every episode, I start with uh, our serial killer's childhood and move on from there. So uh, Yu Young Chul was born April 18, 1970 in South Korea in the village of Waha in Gojang County in northern Chola province. He was a surprise baby for his parents, and they very much did not want him. His parents separated quickly after his birth, and he was raised along with his siblings by his grandmother for his first couple years. Uh, Fun fact, his grandmother told him that his parents had considered aborting him, 
Uh, so he kind of grew up knowing that he was unwanted. Come on. Yep. Then when he was six, he moved to Mapo District in Seoul to live with his father. His dad was a Vietnam vet who had returned with money from fighting in the war, but he had gambled it away and wasted it on different business scams. So they were pretty much dirt poor. Um, in Seoul, dad did run a comic book shop where people could rent comics, like a stack of comics mm. that you could read in the store, which is very much yeah. a cultural thing that you can do there. Can you do that in the States? I'm pretty, sure, great. I'm pretty sure you can do it at a, at a library. Yeah, at a library, but I mean... At a comic book shop? Like, I'd love to just, like, stop it. Like, technically, I know people go to bookstores and we just read the book in the bookstore, but you're not supposed to do that. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> you're supposed to buy it and then relax with your book, but... Yeah, I don't think you can go to, like, Comics Connection and then... <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking about. I was like, 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 what an interesting idea. Just rent the comics and then bring them back. But uh, Mapo was a really poor district. It had no running water and no electricity and... Everyone had to get their water from a public well. He had two older brothers and one older sister. Uh, his one older brother ran away from home. His father did remarry, and that stepmother brutally beat his sister often. Um, she would have beat you, but apparently he was a pretty creepy kid who'd just sit and stare at her for hours, imagining that he could kill her. Oh, my God. And mind you, he's like six or seven, so... He's already creeping people out as a youngin. That's my child. <laughs> when he was eight, <laughs> he and his sister ran away to go live with their mom, who also lived in Mapo. They attended uh, Seoul uh, Gangduk Elementary School, and he was a really quiet kid, a loner. He used always used honorifics when talking to his elders, um, but his poverty wasn't an intrinsic part of his life. And his claim, his classmates mocked him for bringing cheap food to school and just being like dirt poor in general. He very much resented his wealthier classmates. And this is a fundamental aspect of his identity. Hmm. His disdain for people who had more than him. When he got older, his father divorced that stepmother, but he kind of devolved into alcoholism. And then when his do his father died in a car accident, um, he began to devote all of his energy to school. And that's where he kind of found just kind of a safe place in the arts. He played guitar, sang, painted, read poetry all through elementary school into middle school. He loved like music and art so much that he applied to a specialized high school in that. And he was denied. Oh. Uh, instead, he enrolled in a technical school in 1987. But it didn't really last that long, and he ended up quitting high school altogether. During high school, he began kind of his life of crime. I'm, I'm assuming probably before then he was committing like petty crimes, mm. little things that nobody really cared about. Right, okay. But he got sent to juvenile detention for stealing a Sony cassette player uh, when he was still under 18. And then when he was 18, he got arrested for stealing $500. That was 1988. Then at 21, he got sentenced to 10 months in jail for stealing a car. And by when I say stealing a car, I mean somebody left the keys in the ignition and he just got in and took it. <laughs> so this wasn't like a planned situation. No, he just saw opportunity right there and he took it. But uh, Christmas of 1991. He met a woman that the newspapers referred to as Miss Wong. Uh, she was a masseuse. And they got married two years later, June 23rd of 1983. He was so happy during this time. 
but it didn't really last long because his rent uh, was increased and to make cash, he broke into an office to steal a camera and got caught by the security guard. Uh. He was put in jail for eight months and while he was in prison, he begged his mother to help his new wife and son that was born October 26, 1994. Now, there's a big gap in his criminal history. And I found some news articles that said that he was a patient at the National Mental Hospital from 1993 to 1995, which is why he wasn't arrested during that time period. Mm -hmm. The prevailing discussion is that he was receiving treatment for epilepsy, though there's also speculations that like the blackouts that he used to have as a child they originally thought that they were just chalked up to mal like malnutrition because he was so poor. Like they, he ate like sticky rice. Right. Right. Okay. Like <clears throat> nothing else. Um, but that they might've actually been epileptic events. Um, in the book, murder addiction by Leung young, she speculates that he may have actually been hospitalized for manic depressive disorder because his brother was diagnosed with the same illness and eventually committed suicide in 1994. There's a prevailing thought that you was around the same age that his brother died when he began killing, uh. which was 32 years old. And this this spree could have been an extended manic episode or just his final hurrah as he was sure he'd die young, just like both his father and his brother. Mm -hmm. um, after fully going through this whole thing, I'm going to say I kind of agree with her. That he definitely was suffering from some sort of severe mental illness where he was switching back and forth. Because we're going to talk about this much later, but after you see the way he behaves in court, I'm either he was schizophrenic and he had like, or some sort of multiple personalities, or or he was experiencing like manic and then depressive episodes because he would flip back and forth between. Huh his his feelings about the things that he had done it was really interesting but we'll get into that <laughs> in 2005 but right now it's only 1995 uh and he gets caught selling illegal pornography so i have to give some backstory here in 1995 south korea passed the telecommunications business act which was the first internet censorship law in the world this law blocked pro-North Korea websites, makes sense, but it also really went after pornographers. Pornography is illegal in South Korea, even though it is relatively easy for any tech-savvy person to find it. Is it, uh, is it illegal now? Yes, Still? even now. Oh. Even now. Wow. Kind of like how we used to have Napster and LimeWire in the <laughs> early 90s. <laughs> yeah. You know, the 90s, early 2000s. <laughs> like, we knew that downloading music was illegal but no one really paid it that much attention that it was illegal. Yeah, we still it's did it very anyway. much kind of like that over there. Um, okay. And, and very much how we used to find the crap out of people for selling those songs here. Right. Right. Like South Korea finds people who peddle pornography online. Huh. Uh, young Chul, you young Chul was uh, fined 3 million Korean won, which is about 2,600 us dollars in 1995, which is about 4,600 today. Oh, damn. So it's a pretty, that's a big fine. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Uh, which was the same thing that you remember when people used to get like a $10,000 fine for downloading one song. Mm -hmm. Very much so. It's it's an attempt to try and stop people from doing the illegal thing. Man, I burned so many CDs. I know, <laughs> but we weren't supposed to. <laughs> no, I mean, what? CDs? What happened? So he got those fines and he managed to stay out of prison for about three years. And 
till he got arrested for theft, forgery, and identity theft hmm. and sentenced to two years in jail. Um, his wife was cool with all of this because at least he was stealing to provide for his family. At least he was making money for his family. That's all. It- that all changed in 2000. Oh. He got arrested for raping a 15-year-old girl. Oh. Was sentenced to three and a half years in prison. And that was it for his wife. She was done. Uh, she sent him the papers while he was in prison. And his divorce was finalized October 27th, 2000. There you go. Uh, I can understand her. Can't overlook that. Oh, yeah. No, that's a... Yeah, that's a... That's a... <laughs> I don't know. That's a huge that's, no. Yeah. So... I want to lay this out here because I've mentioned a lot of different crimes in the last couple of minutes, but by the time he's released, he has 14 criminal convictions, has spent 11 years in prison, and he is 32 years old. Oh, my God. Now, when he was released from prison in 2002, he came back as a changed man and not in the best way. He had spent most of his life in correctional facilities, but this time he spent most of his time studying the life of another Korean serial killer, Jong Do-young. Do-young murdered nine wealthy people in several cities in Gyeongnam province from June of 1999 to April of 2000. Now, Do-young was a robber who killed the homeowners if they happened to be home, essentially so there would be no witnesses. Uh, he also kidnapped a woman, stole about a hundred thousand U.S. dollars, and killed nine people during this time. Okay, wait, wait a second. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes. But if he would just rob them when they're not home, there would still be no witnesses. He, he was like, "Listen, I'm going in that house, and if somebody's there, oh well." But just I'm getting that stuff. Oh my god. Okay, just the logic. Okay, whatever. But regardless, um, you is reading about uh Jong Do Young, and just. Kind of like, oh, wow, this is another kindred spirit, another person who hates rich people like I do. You know, this guy believes that wealthy people are the problem in South Korea, just like I do. And and while he's in jail, he decides that not only will he kill them, but his goal would be to kill a 100. Ooh. And in his words, these are his words from later on, but he says that they deserve to be beat like dogs. Okay. Now, upon his release, he started earning money by extorting pimps and prostitutes using a f- fake police ID that uh, he forged himself. He settled down in a studio apartment in the commercial area of Mapo, where he grew up. Uh, here he fixated on movies about cops hunting serial killers like the Korean film Public Enemy and the American films Very Bad Things and Normal Life. He also began honing his plan on how he was going to execute these wealthy elites who he saw as his barrier to success. And he began practicing his killing technique on dogs with a hammer that he made at home. Oh, He also created a certain criteria for his victims that determined who he was going to attack. So did he have to make a certain amount a year? Mm -mm. It's not even, it makes no sense, but we're just going to, I'm going to tell you anyway. (laughs) Okay. So his first murder happens uh, in the middle of the morning, September 24th, 2003. He takes a train to uh, Apjujang Dong Station, which is the most affluent area in Seoul, uh, the capital of South Korea. He walks along the streets of Sinsa neighborhood looking for a church and then near the church looking for the nicest house to break into. And so 
from what I was able to read, kind of the apparently about 50% of South Korean people are Christian and the churches are everywhere. But unlike how our churches look in the States, kind of like old Gothic buildings, Mm -hmm. they look a little bit like that too, but they also have like neon crosses. So it's kind of a weird cyberpunk slash Gothic thing going on. Oh, I guess that's kind of cool. I probably wouldn't still go to one. It's interesting. (laughs) It's interesting. Look, um, but I think he also thought about the fact that people felt safer if they lived near a church. Because of the lights. Yeah, I get So he was... Picking, he's specifically picking a church first, mm-hmm. then picking a house near a church. And here we go. Here's where here's his criteria. So it was really common in two-story homes in South Korea at the time was, especially for wealthy people, that it had a walled-off courtyard that was usually like a stone wall around the house. Right, right, okay. This was usually a garden. And it was essentially like having your own patch of grass in new york city meant you were really wealthy (laughs) like the fact that in this gigantic very uh huge city you had a garden right right and so that was also something he was looking for he also looked for that too because that meant he could climb over and not be seen okay so the house that you fit that you found fit that description it had a little garden no security cameras and the only people who lived there were an elderly couple He watched the house for about 15 minutes, and then while wearing gloves, he climbed over the back wall and entered the front door armed with his homemade hammer and a small six-inch knife. So 15 minutes prep time, that's all he needed? That's all he needed. Okay. He stabbed uh, 17-2-year-old Mr. Lee in the master bedroom. His wife screamed, and you actually attempted to comb her down. And then he hit her in the head with a hammer. He made sure they were dead, locked their bedroom door, and actually left through the front door. Then uh, he used a towel he had taken from the house to clean the blood off of his pants. Um, and then he went back to the bedroom door, kicked it open, threw all the clothing around the room, essentially staging like a robbery, mm-hmm. wiped his bloody footprints, and left through the back way that he came in this time. He went back to the subway station, cleaned himself up in the bathroom, Stole absolutely nothing. So he just made it look like a robbery. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Couple, like murder. <laughs> a couple weeks later, he takes the train to a Bulwong station on October 9th. And then he takes a, another uh, taxi to uh, Juji Tunnel. He finds another expensive house near a church with no security system and an exterior wall. And he climbs that with his homemade hammer in hand. Uh, the homeowner referred to as Grandmother Kang in the papers, hears him open the front door, and as uh, she steps out of the bathroom to see who it is, he hits her in the head four times with his hammer. She's 84. Oh, God. At that moment, Kang's daughter comes downstairs. You kicks her twice in the stomach while demanding to know how many other people are in the house. Um, The 16-year-old Mrs. Lee tells him, my husband and my son are upstairs. Mm Mm-hmm. You hits her with the hammer until he's sure she's dead. Runs upstairs and runs into Mr. Go, her 35-year-old son. Forces him to his knees and hits him nine times until his skull is caved in. Leaves him on the stairs. Then searches for the older Mr. Lee and can't find him. So he stages another break-in. 
by uh, breaking into the safe that they had there and scattering the contents all over the second floor. Yeah. Just like before, cleans himself up, walks back to Juji Tunnel, and then taxis back to Bowong Station. Wait, wait, wait. So the husband was never found then? No, the husband was not there. Okay. So, okay. But she said he was. She did say, I mean, that's what the paper said. Uh, this, These accounts right here come specifically from the book Murder Addiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are letters that the reporter sent back and forth with uh, you. Oh, and okay. so this is partially his recollection of these events too. Okay. Okay. Uh, obviously like we know how many, you know, the fact that he hurt them and things of that nature, but a lot of these are, are it's, it's his recollection of events and he's not exactly the most reliable witness. Of course, neither no None of them are. They <laughs> love to, you know, but she did her best to you know, kind of mm-hmm. balance us out with some of the facts as well okay but two weeks later he's at it again october 16th 2003 he takes a train to solung station this time walking to the samsung neighborhood in gangnam area now we all know what gangnam is it's my alarm it is your alarm clock uh because of sai it's another really affluent area in seoul um the seoul world trade center is there uh as well as many fancy hotels the coex mall which is the world's largest underground shopping mall This is a fairly high traffic area and he has no trouble walking it, finding a fancy house near a church with a big garden and a stone fence. And I mentioned the neighborhood and the area he's in because it is 1 p.m. in the afternoon. This guy has no like fear at all. No chill at all. God, he woke up that morning and chose violence. Mm -mm. Unlike before, as he approached the front door, the owner, Mrs. Yu, um, a 69-year-old wife to a millionaire opened the door to grab the mail. As she went inside, he followed her, which is actually a really common thing that happens. Just some somebody just following you inside? They really just have to, like, push their way in. It's a, I, it's a thing. I remember watching a video actually from South Korea. This girl, um, it was a like a CCTV camera. Yeah. This guy, she didn't realize he was following her, and she opens her door. And you see him lunge for the door and it closes just before he can like get his hand in between. So this is actually a really common tactic. Uh, it's one of the reasons why like when we get in cars, you want to make sure you're always looking around. Mm-hmm. When you, even when I walk up to my door, I want to make sure there's nobody within close distance. And there have been plenty of times that people have walked by and I've been like, let me just pretend that I can't find my key while this person walks to the other end of the hallway. Uh, I'm sorry. So his method here is not actually, uh, it's, it's one of those tried and true things that works for people. It's a classic, I guess Mm -hmm. you could say. Oh my God. It's such a terrible thing. I mean, my stomach, but yep. He walks in right behind her, threatens her with the knife and says, anyone else around? Um, she says, no, he drags her into the bathroom, hits her in the head several times. Trashes the master bedroom, cleans the blood off of his shoes and all of his bloody footprints, and then heads back to the Gangnam Ward office uh, train station. There's a little bit more of a break this time. His next murder happens November 18th at 11 a.m. He takes the subway to Hongsung University Station. While looking for a house, he sees a small police station in an alley and decides this is the location I will kill someone. Because the residents here probably feel safe. What? Yeah, because there's a police station. Who wouldn't? 
Mm-hmm. He finds a nice house um, with a small garden and the surrounding wall. Like his attacks before, um, he confirmed the emergency exits. Uh, and this time he used a gas pipe to climb down from the very high wall around this house. This time, however, as he's walking up on the house, he hears a baby crying. So he knows at least two people are home. He enters the front door and goes upstairs, finds no one. As he comes downstairs, he sees the 53-year-old housekeeper. Her name is Miss Bay. And yes, it is spelled absolutely B-A-E. Yay. <laughs> I knew you would like that. He pulls out his knife and threatens her into the master bedroom where 87-year-old homeowner Mr. Kim is in his bed. You hits Kim in the head immediately, takes the baby from the housekeeper, puts it on the sofa, and wraps it in a blanket, and then bludgeons the housekeeper to death. Uh, okay. What happened to the baby? He left the baby alive. Okay, fantastic. I know you were worried. I could see it in your face. <laughs> You're like, man, he's already an old person. He's an elderly killer. Is he going to kill a baby too? Like, okay, so, oh my God. So is, was, the, was the homeowner like watching the child or was it? The, 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 the housekeeper was watching the baby. Oh. I'm guessing the baby was probably the grandchild. Okay, okay. Um, he finds a safe on the second floor and he, as he's breaking into it, he cuts himself. Uh, he's using like a, what's the word I'm looking for? A golf club. And so I think it breaks. Worried the police can track him, he decides he's going to set fire to the room. Now covered in blood, he snatches a black jacket from the man's closet and puts it on and leaves the house. He watches the fire from a distance for about 30 minutes, but doesn't see any flames. Like it's not like, exp- you know, spreading through right, the house. There's, there's no black smoke coming out. Right. Um, he does see a woman enter the house and then leaves the scene. I'm guessing that's the mother of the child. Okay. Um, not sure at this point whether he'd taken the bus or a taxi. Um, and unaware that at this point he had left a set of bloody footprints behind, as well as an image of him from behind on CCTV. Ha Yay, some evidence. <laughs> yes. So I think this moment here where he kind of flubbed up a little bit um, caused him to kind of cool down on his murders. He was getting much more brazen and he, he kind of did some things that could have gotten him caught. So during this next time, uh, it's probably from like, I'm going to say October, December, November, December, he starts calling. It's hard to explain these. They are like the 1-900 numbers that used to pop on TV when we were kids. Yes, late night ones. You know, yes, late night. Sexy yeah. lady in your town. Yes, well, there's yes. actually a lot of sex trade in South Korea, and I'll get more into that later. But he meets a woman, and they spend a lot of time talking on the phone, and they actually seem to both like each other. Hmm. Okay. Uh, and he proposes to her. What? And as soon as she finds out about his criminal history... She rejects the proposal flat out. Smart. Very smart. In January of 2004, he gets arrested for theft at a sauna and he's briefly held at the Sodomon police station. They didn't check his criminal record. They just released him as petty theft or Lord knows they would have probably held on to him for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, February 6th. I, personally, I believe the fact that they let him go so quickly is what made him go, you know what? I can keep doing I this. I could probably get back into the killing game again. I can keep doing this a little bit longer. Let's go. Well, 
February 6, 2004, at 7 p.m., he takes a taxi to Imundong uh, to hunt for a new victim. He sees a woman and approaches her. She's 25 years old, and she's in front of a restaurant on a quiet side street. Sleet is falling. It's wintertime. You think she looks like a prostitute, and he asks her where she's going. She tells him she's going shopping, and he then tries to use his forged fake police ID to convince her to go to a bar with him. She doesn't trust him and says, you're not a cop, you crazy bastard, and tries to leave. Okay, let me just say, if any cop just comes up to me like, hey, I'm a cop, go to the bar with me, I'm like, fuck you. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm sorry, but no, dude, no. Yeah, regardless. Like, you I... buying my drinks? I'm sorry. Re- no, regardless, he chases her, and just before she reaches the restaurant, he tackles her and stabs her five times. Hmm, Okay. Between this woman and the sex chat chat operator he'd been dating who rejected him, he sort of discovers his next victim profile. Beautiful beautiful women who work in the sex trade. Of course. This opened up his options for victims because Korea has a very large sex industry. According to the Korean Institute of Criminology, South Korea's sex trade is valued at $20.4 billion and makes up 4.1% of their GDP. Wow. It's larger than their utility industry. Goodness. Prostitution is 100% illegal. But that has not changed anything. It should be legal. Legalize it. Um, It ranges from teen girls soliciting sex or things in chat rooms to pay for their cell phones, all the way to wives escorting to pay for their kids extra school, like cram schools. And unfortunately, just like in the United States, there's a terrible trafficking system where women are kidnapped and kept in brothels. There are also other creative forms of sex work in large red light districts, like one called Miari in Seoul, uh, one called Texas Street in Busan. Texas Street. Yes, or the Yellow House in Incheon. Ooh, yep. Google this stuff. (laughs) Uh, There are a multitude of love hotels that charge by the hour in these areas. Mm -hmm. Scattered through every city are barbershops with a double candy stripe pole which indicates that you can buy sex there too. Oh my God. There are also nearby coffee shops where you can purchase a ticket for a woman that you can exchange later. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Not to mention nightclubs, which have totally different kinds of sex venues, like business clubs, where businessmen can get service and finalize their deals. Mm-hmm. Not to mention all sorts of health clubs, saunas, and massage parlors. Oh, well, those are awesome. So, uh, but important to this case in particular, in Korean, uh, Bong means phone room. These are phone sex services, like I said, similar to our 1-900 numbers in the U.S., mm-hmm. but they also mean, like, you can also, like, if you mean, like, a Bong could mean a small, like, it's a small dark room you go into. There's a telephone, a TV with lots of porn, a lounge chair, tissues, and a notepad. The customer pays by the hour, and you just, you go in and you wait for the phone to ring. You chat, and sometimes there's potential that you'll meet later. Oh, okay. For an in-person uh, escapade. Right, right. The newspaper Donga Daily said that 57% of those contacts made via those phone rooms, uh, those people meet for an in-person sex date within about four hours. Oh. So really, it's kind of like a middleman to then connect people right. who are escorting with people interested in finding them. Right, right. Okay. Um. Yu Young Chul understood all of this 
And he was very much aware of the anonymity of these rooms and he used them to his advantage. His intention was he was going to use the chat room as his base of operation and find the same kind of woman who rejected him and made him feel worthless. Um, okay. So he starts in March. He calls a phone sex parlor and has a woman sent to his apartment. He immediately beats her with his hammer, cuts her into 18 different pieces, which excited him. Um, bags her up. Um, He's like, wow, I can kill someone and not even leave my house. And he hauls her body to a small mountain trail behind Song, uh, Sogang University and buries her there in a shallow grave. I just had a thought. What? It was like he couldn't. He he didn't have to leave his house to murder someone. It was like mm-hmm. grub hub murder. Oh lord. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. My jokes are terrible. His next murder happens in April. So he purchases these counterfeit Viagra pills from a vendor and it's called Huang Dok Dong Goblin Mart. It's one of those major outdoor markets that has hundreds of vendors. You can buy everything there. Food, counterfeit products, clothes, appliances. Um, but either way, he buys Viagra there of all places. <laughs> and a couple of days later on April 13th, he returns to the market and is like, hey, dude, this is fake. It didn't work. He poses as a police detective, flashes his fake ID, and threatens the vendor and tries to bribe him. The vendor, uh, Mr. On, is like, no, I'll just talk to the local police precinct. Now, there you go. Yu is like, uh, no. And he wrestles him into On's car and then handcuffs him inside of it, drives him back to Mapo and parks near his house, goes home to grab his hammer, gloves, and his weapons in a bag, goes back to the vehicle, takes that to an underground parking lot at a local hospital, kills on inside of the van, walks back home, cleans up, brings a new knife. He needs a different one for this one. Okay. Goes back to the van where he begins cleaning the blood mist off of the inside of the windows. At about 1 a.m., he drives to Walmi Island near Incheon, which is about 25 kilometers west of Seoul. Walmi is an, uh, a big tourist spot. It's got like a big carnival vibe. Got lots of street vendors, cafes, you know, curbside people selling stuff. Oh, awesome places. Four got different it. amusement parks are there. Ooh. As well as a cement pier where you can take like ferries and cruise ships too. I know. I was sitting here reading and go, okay, so when we go to Korea, we yeah. want to visit <laughs> Walmi Island near we go, Incheon. We're going there. Uh, but you parks near an abandoned gas station cuts off An's hands, puts them in a plastic bag and tosses them over the pier, then sets the van on fire, hides in the shadows, and watches it burn. Hmm. Then when firefighters arrive, he slips off and takes a taxi to Bupyeong Station and then takes another taxi home, which had to be incredibly expensive. Yeah, spent a lot of money that day. Between April and July... He in mid July he uses the phone operator plan over and over again. The woman come to him. It's much easier than just roaming the streets looking for wealthy people to kill. In April he kills two women. Then in May he kills two more. Three more in June. Two more in July. Cases are almost identical. All at night, calls a phone next phone sex room, persuades the woman to meet him at his home or somewhere else where he then brings her to his home. 
He offers her money for her time and services, but he never actually has sex with them because he's worried about leaving DNA evidence on the body. Right. Right. He kills them, cuts off the skin on their fingertips. And this is because like we have social security numbers in the United States. South Korean citizens have a national ID number, but they are also all fingerprinted by the government as well. Oh, so like my fingerprints are within the United States government because I worked for the feds at one point. Right. And I also worked for a bank, two jobs where you get fingerprinted, Mm -hmm. but in South Korea, everyone's fingerprinted. It's just natural. Just from birth. Yep. Okay. Well, question. Um, Are they getting suspicious at this point? All these girls missing someone gets suspicious oh, okay I'll, I'll let you know when that one happens okay he cuts up all the victims he cleans obsessively uh actually a neighbor reported in one of the articles that i read that sometimes she heard water running long hours into the night she was like i didn't know why this young man was always cleaning but he was always cleaning um after he had all the body parts in small bags he put them into a backpack and then he would go to this really like beautiful, like wooded area mm-hmm. near a Bonglong temple and he would bury them in a shallow grave. And it usually took him about two trips to fit all the pieces into the backpack. Makes sense. Get a duffel bag. Roughly by four in the morning, he was finished. He deviated from this plan on July 1st when he went to a love hotel and called up a woman using their phone from the massage parlor. When she arrived, um, he coerced her to leave using his police ID. Once back at his place, he attacked her. But this was the first woman he didn't use the Ajong Wabong to meet. His final two victims were also from massage parlors, and they were July 9th and July 13th. Now, I have a question for you. Uh, you're a tech-savvy person. Have you ever heard of the term netizen? Netizen? Netizen. I have not. So netizen is kind of the term for the South Korean people who hang out online and they essentially like are just talking about things. There's a lot of gossip about celebrities, media, things of that nature. Oh, they're denizens of the net. Ah, there's the term. (laughs) Okay. I've only ever heard that term referenced in when they reference like South Korean people online. Hmm. So I I don't know when that term came up, but I've only ever seen it there. But the netizens were sort of the first to go. Is there a serial killer in South Korea? And they came up with two different nicknames. Uh, One was called the Thursday Night Killer and the Rainy Night Murderer. So why did they think there was a serial killer? There were a serious series of attacks on women in a lot of different provinces. But many of these attacks, the women didn't die. But they all happened on Thursday nights or when it was raining. Okay. And so that's why they refer to it as the Thursday Night Killer. Um, by July, journalists really picked up on those chains of murders that was happening. And some were speculating that they weren't random crimes. On July 9th, a reporter named uh, Bai Nopil wrote a story that appeared in the Junong Daily Paper titled Soul Murders, Serial Killer at Work. And it detailed many of those attacks, many of which that you didn't do. Like a teen girl that got stabbed in February, um, a pregnant woman, and her child got stabbed in another event. But it did bring attention to things that were happening to women in Seoul. Hmm. Another thing that kind of complemented, uh, complicated what was happening with like people talking about this online was there was a movie that got released in 2003 about 10 months before uh, Young Chul started killing. 
And this was called Memories of Murder. And it was still very much fresh in people's mind. It's based on the true story of murders that happened over a 10-year period in Hwasong in the late 80s. The killer leaves no evidence for the police to work with, and the murders always happen on rainy nights. This killer's victims were always wearing red and white, and it's one of Korea's largest unsolved cases. So people online are like, is someone mimicking the film? What's going on? As for the police, people are going missing and they really don't have any clues or like way to get a break here. Mm -hmm. You gets arrested beating an escort inside of a love hotel on Thursday, July 15th. He's in the Yuxum neighborhood in Southern Seoul. The police don't know they've captured a killer, though. I mean, and he fakes a limp and a twitch. The cops feel bad for him and uncuff him. And he runs away. Excuse me, what? No. No, no, no. Okay, okay. Rewind, though. So there's a killer mm-hmm. who kills on Thursday nights mm-hmm. while it's raining. Yes. He's beating an escort on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. You don't think there's some kind of nope coincidence there? Uh, he may have almost killed her. Mm-mm. Okay, whatever. <laughs> I'm more upset that they like were like, oh, look at this uh, disabled man. Yeah, nothing no. can happen. And then as soon as he uncuff him, and then he like waits for them to kind of stop paying attention to him, and, and then he, he runs takes away. Off. Yeah, that I mean that part also messed me up too, but. It's just just the first part. It's Thursday night. Come on, guys. You should be hearing about this right? stuff. But, you know, they. I think they just chalk that up to, you know, people on the internet, you know, just. Sometimes, yeah, but most times, no. But either way, he goes to see his mother in Mapo, and he tells her repeatedly that he just wants to die. Um, his mom later told the press that she didn't know what to do, and she definitely thought he was going to commit a suicide, just like her other son. Mm-hmm. Um, as this is going on, the local John Wabong pimps are like, something's wrong here. You may, you know how you said, who is aware of all these women missing? The of pimps. Course. The pimps are like, listen, we keep sending girls out and they're not coming back. And, and I'm losing my money. I'm losing money. What is going on here? The pimp names slip back. And so they are all <laughs> consulting each other. And learning that every one of their girls has gone missing after a call from a specific cell phone. Oh, so oh, so they could trace them. They got the number? Well, they're sharing the number at this point. Oh. A man by the name of Mr. A, which is the only name I have for him. I don't think he was really going to let the papers know his real identity considering he's Mr. a Mr. A pimp named Slickback. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so Mr. A, um, one of the phone sex pimps, passes on this information to Yang Pilju. A police officer that he knows so young says if the number comes up again call me mm-hmm. like if you if someone calls you with this number call me i can check you at that point 2 a.m on the morning of what is now july 16th a pimp gets a phone call from the number and calls mr a now a woman had already been sent to meet the client to meet you but you rejected her and said she was too old and ugly he demanded a younger, prettier woman. So Mr. A calls you back and says, listen, we'll send you someone younger as soon as we can. But a lot of our girls are busy. It's Friday. Mm-hmm. Mr. A then begins in organizing a plan and trying to get the police on board. He calls Young, tells him, listen, we've already picked a woman for bait. Uh, we set up a meeting place behind the Sinchon Grand Mart. 
Mr. A is like, I'm bringing a friend, a couple of my employees, and a couple other pimps. Oh, my God. At about 4 a.m., the police are like, all right, then. And they <laughs> arrive. Young, both Officer Young and Officer Kim arrive. It's raining. The woman's cell phone goes off. Yu tells her to come to an alley off to the side of the market. He gives her really vague instructions. So it's almost like he seems kind of suspicious, too. Hmm. The men all spread out around the area to go looking for him. Right. The police are like, we're not involved in this part of this. <laughs> uh, about 10 minutes later, you is spotted by Mr. A. And Mr. A is like, are you, you young Cho? He doesn't answer. Mr. A and associates jump him and begin searching for the cell phone. They like, That's the smoking gun. Yep. If we can find the cell phone, we got you. Yep. But they don't find it. Oh. They pin him down. March him over to the car, and they're like, whatever, we're going to take you to the cop's den. In the car, they notice him chewing on something, and they pry it from his mouth. It's the phone sex business card. Are you fucking kidding me? So, see, the thing is, like, in South Korea, like, you know how, like, when you go to Vegas? No, I don't. (laughs) Okay, well, in Vegas, like, like, your car will get papered with, like, these random advertisements for like strippers and sex workers and stuff. They're all over the place. Okay. Cards and things. Like people are constantly handing you stuff. They're like, hey, come see this hot girl tonight. And so that's kind of how it is in the red light district there too. All these, they call them calling cards. Mm-hmm. And they're just different things. Like, and they just have information. Like, hey, come, you know, come to our business. Okay. Stop okay. by our massage parlor. Stop by our, you know, come to our fitness gym, you know. Come get a haircut and a girl. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they see that the the phone, the call, you know, the number he just called, that he was trying to like chew the card and get rid of it. Oh. Um, at the station, police find handcuffs on him and the forged police ID. Oh. Once he's in police custody, he confesses everything. And then some more. Oh. So can we just say that pimps save the day definitely i mean they were like listen 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 because at this point like nobody really like there was nothing to connect those women together they were all probably roughly under 30 years old um relatively young they all led different lives on the surface right this was just you know side gigs that they did you know Mm -hmm. here and there so nobody other than the pimps could connect them through the shared job and that i mean that's pretty awesome that you like wow that's why i said i I was talking on like tiktok live one night and i was just like i think it's really weird that we don't respect sex workers or people who are on drugs or things sometimes those people are the only people who are out in the streets yeah in the thick of it you know the ones who are seeing the things really going down like, you need to talk to those people instead of thinking that they are just garbage. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen cop movies. I know how it is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think the smart the smart people or any smart person who is in law enforcement, you use the resources that are available to you. Oh, definitely. Don't go, I'm going to ignore this person because X, Y, Z. You could be ignoring the answer to your riddle that you're trying to find. Mm-hmm. But... The first thing you does is says, listen, I've been burying them near this temple. And that very much scandalized the public. I was about to say, you're sacri- sacrilege? 
what? very much sacrilegious. Not even that though. Like, oh goodness, if you look this up, there are like, there's no, the pol- I don't know if this is just how this is in South Korea, but like, there's so many pictures of them like pulling bags out of the ground, uh. like putting them on, like pulling bodies out on like stretchers, like the the news people were just there while this was happening. The place is haunted now. And uh, well, on mountain is where a lot of them are buried. It's covered in cherry trees and wild pine and locust trees, lots of flower bushes. A lot of people just go there to enjoy the temple and the scenery. Mm-hmm. And no one noticed the smell of decomposition. Um, even though this was one of South Korea's hottest summers where the temp- temperatures were pretty much at 95 degrees, like every day. Ooh. Um, Koreans actually referred to like this time period as like the tropical nights of Korea because <laughs> it was just so hot. Um, apparently use use of bags to secure the smaller remains did help keep the stink at bay. Um, but as they dug them up, the everyone there said it was just a horrific smell. Um, and as they're digging and he's leading them to these locations, he looks at the cameras and he says, Women just shouldn't be sluts, and the rich know what they've done. Boy. Oh, this is one of many of his bizarre phrases that he will say during this trial. You will get smacked. Now, in police custody, he also admits to dining on the livers of some of his victims. And if that sounds familiar... Freaking Hannibal. It does indeed. There's also a Korean proverb which says, uh, he patted me on the back while removing my liver to eat. Which is essentially about like kind of like he conned me. Mm. Like he was shaking my hand and stabbing me in the back. Same thing. Um, Also in Korean folk medicine, the liver is a symbol of bravery and vigor. And he told the police that he did it four times and that it made his mind and body feel refreshed. (sighs) Annoyed. (laughs) I'm annoyed by him now. Now I have to stop and say that this story is on every newspaper and on all TVs all day long. I think before we started here i told you that i read through almost 60 different yeah. news articles about this crazy two fan clubs pop up one called great killer and then why clothe on dom and neighbor which are these two internet portals um one of the purges referred to him as the coolest murderer a membership to the fan clubs rose so quickly that soon neighbor and dom closed the portals down because they were receiving abusive emails from his fans. Also during this time, phone sex rooms reported a boom in business. Oh my god. I mean, great for business, but... But the reason? Yeah, but the reason is terrible. The the, the coroner, Dr. Bang Huigong, was reported as saying, um, how could a human be so evil? And she said that after observing all the victims' bodies, she could only determine that this person was acting out like serious rage. Mm. So everything kind of is this falling in place, right? Yeah. Yeah. Only problem is as you was confessing these crimes in small bits here and there, the police are trying to match his story with real evidence and they are trying to get like they try and they get some DNA from the hammer and that did match a couple of the victims. They measured his feet and compared that to the scene at, with the bloody feet. Right, where he left the footprints before he burned the uh, room. Right. Um, that matches. He tells the police that he kept a record of all the people he killed, but they can't find it on his computer or in his apartment. Because you didn't. Right. All they had was the word of a man that they weren't sure was all that same. 
July 25th, he tells them he's responsible for the woman in Imun Dong, the girl who he stabbed in the chest. Mm-hmm. Um, only they're not sure if he is or not. Um, it doesn't fit any of his other patterns. Normally, he kills right. everyone. Right. But, you know, he said that he did that one there. He will change whether he did or didn't with the woman, uh, the, the woman he stabbed five times in the chest in Imun Dong multiple times over the course of this investigation consistently flipping back and forth on that um he also took credit for other attacks on women from the time period he tells the investigators he's killed 26 people which is six more people than the original 20 that he confessed to on july 16th and the police have no way of confirming this right now in the past south korean judges very much favored the prosecution but more recently, they have been requiring tangible evidence for convictions. Mm-hmm. So they send a criminologist to talk to him. And the, the criminal psychologist um, determines that he is severely antisocial, has a major distrust of all society and authority figures. He also lacks any guilt or remorse. And he tells a psychiatrist that if given the chance, he would have killed 100 women. I'm sure he wasn't lying about that. I don't think so. After some serious, like, shuffling, the police decide on July 26th, that's 10 days after catching him, that they are going to charge him with 21 counts of murder, burglary, impersonating an officer, arson, improperly disposing of corpses. However, they cannot link him officially to the rainy night Thursday night killer. And those cases remain unsolved today. But did they stop after he was caught? I don't think so. I don't think he was doing those. I think they were just stabbings. Right, right. I think the only one that even closely matches it is the woman from Imundong, and that's the woman who he stabbed randomly and then ran away from. Right, right, right. Okay. Hmm. So as they prepare to transfer him to the prosecutor's office, this very uh, crazy scene happens outside of the police station. I'm going to just set the scene for you. Outside, there are a mass of reporters, cameras, citizens stopping to look for a moment to see the monster. This is being broadcast live, by the way. A woman known as Miss Jong, she's the 51-year-old mother of one of his victims, yelled out. The police, insincere and incompetent investigating, killed my daughter. If you'd arrested him earlier, my daughter would have never died. Then, while holding an umbrella, she storms up the steps to attack you, and the officer escorting him kicks her in the chest. And she falls down the steps. Wow. The nation is in an uproar. The Seoul Metropolitan Police Agency responds the next day with a public apology, saying that the officer thought that the umbrella was a weapon. They do give a sincere apology, and they say that they they didn't realize who she was, and they do feel like they have added a harm to an already grieving family. Yeah, yeah, you have. However, some of the police think that this is orchestrated by uh, uh, Fuji TV from Japan. And they're like some of the police officers report that they say that Miss Jong was coerced and that they were telling her to come up and yank down his mask because no one had gotten a good picture of him without the face mask. Ah. Fuji TV denies these claims and actually laughed when they were uh, mm-hmm. brought to their. Yes, place. we hired someone to get Spartan kicked down the stairs. By a police officer, yes. Um, while he's in custody, 
He files a human rights complaint saying that uh, being kept in chains violates his human rights. He also didn't like that there was a 24-hour camera in his cell. Uh, the media really didn't report too much on this. And the only thing I found was one article where the National Human Rights Commission of Korea stated they had no <laughs> they had no intention of looking into the complaint. Thank you, because who who cares? Who cares if you don't feel like you're being treated like a human? Yeah, you know he what? said the chain impeded him from using the bathroom the way he wanted. You were acting like a monster the whole time killing people. Guess what? Pee like a monster in your pants. I don't care. Well, July 29th, he goes on a hunger strike, refuses to talk to the police anymore. This is a problem, though, because the prosecution has hinged their entire case off of the fact that he talks too much. Uh... So they go off on a tailspin hunting for new like physical evidence. He first appears in court September 6, 2004. He admits guilt. He describes in detail how he dismembered the corpses and said that he killed 23 people this time. That's two more than the 21 he was being charged with. But he did three less than the ones he right. admitted to. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, after giving up this, this horrible testimony, he says, I gave up my life. So you, you, the judges, are not the kind of people who can punish my sins. Then he says, I wish this was the last day of the trial and I refuse to appear in court again. And then just before leaving, he addresses the public and says, I would like to apologize to the victims for what I have done. I am sorry. So here's the thing. In South Korea, you are not exactly allowed to boycott your own trial. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you do it anywhere, can you? So they bring him back on September 20th. He tells the court he doesn't trust them and he doesn't want to be there. One of the three judges actually says, it's not up to you to decide whether you attend trial or not. Yeah. And uh, at this moment, I realized that I did not fully explain how a Korean courtroom works. Unless you've watched like a K-drama or something, you wouldn't know. Now, unlike uh, in the U.S., this is not a trial by jury and they do not have the concept of innocent until proven guilty. But I'll explain this. So the front of the courtroom looks entirely different from what you and I have seen. Mm -hmm. um, there are several rows of seats in the back for a general audience, but there's a barrier between those involved in the trial and the audience. There's no, you know, how like normally like there's that little like wooden wall yeah, yeah. and there's loads of rows yeah. for the audience in the States. That's not how this is. Also, unlike the USA where we have one judge, they have a panel of three. There's usually a head judge and two associates to the left of the judge sits the general prosecutor who is pursuing the case for the state. And then on the right of the judge, there is an attorney and the accused hmm. sitting directly in front of the judges are witnesses who are waiting to be questioned. There's no witness box where they come up, you know, and sit next to the judge. It doesn't exist. And there is no jury. Okay. So the witnesses, Never mind. Okay, never mind. There's a, a there's like an area there between where the general mm -hmm. people are sitting way in the back. Right. And, and there's also a space there, but they're in their own just section, a witness section. Okay. Unlike in the States, the judge asks direct questions to the witnesses, then the prosecution prosecution gets their turn, and then the defense. So when they bring you in, he's very much sort of kind of being a witness at his own trial. He tells the judge he's murdered five more people. Since he's been in jail? Or... Nope, nope, he's saying, so now he's saying <laughs> 26 again. Oh my God, shut up. Um, oh, sorry. 
Uh, and he includes the teen girl and the pregnant woman from the stabbings from the Thursday, uh, the, th- the rainy night killing. Yeah, yeah. Which probably weren't him. Right. And those are happening in completely different area. He also tells them that he lied about killing the woman in Imondong. I'm trying. I'm trying to remember all these places. I know. I know. That's the lady who he, that, that they said he said he stabbed five times in the chest. Okay. okay. So now he's saying, oh, no, I'm sorry. I did kill those other people. But the other lady, I definitely didn't kill her. Mm, okay, dude. Just as court is about to end for the day, he leaps over the bar, uh, the area, like, the witness area yeah. to head into the judge section, yelling at them that he is not coming to the next trial. He doesn't make it to them, and about twenty court guards cut him off and drag him out of the courtroom. But it makes for one a hell of a news story, and you can believe I saw a lot that covered this. <laughs> of course. He also passes two notes, one to a reporter and a prison guard, telling them that he felt sorry for the victims' families and that he also wanted to kill himself. So uh they increase the twenty four hour watch. Mm-hmm making it a little bit more intense, more people stopping to visit him. Sunday, October 4th, he uses an electrical wire from a wall-mounted fan and attempts to hang himself just after midnight, but the guards stop him. Nice. Okay. Again, he said he says, I'm not going to court because I have nothing more to say. So while Korean criminal code does say that they can do the trial without him, they don't really want to. And so they push the trial date back a week. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is hilarious. Like, we know you don't want to come, and we really don't have to do this with you, but we want to make you come anyway. Yep. Pretty much. Um, each time he goes back to court, he, he explodes in a rage. October 25th, an audience member curses at him as he enters the courtroom. He lunges at the guy, and a bunch of guards have to come in. He manages to damage a few chairs, but mostly his ego. (laughs) Um, When he comes back to the courtroom, he says to the families of the victims, they were abnormal women. They deserve to be caught. Then November 29th, a prosecutor requested. uh, So then finally, we're kind of ending the end of our trial situation. Right. The prosecutors formally request the death penalty. Um, in South Korea, the common form of execution is hanging. Uh, still very old school. Is it still? Yep. Really? Oh, wow. Okay. They have not actually done a hanging since 1998. Oh. But that is the prevailing method. The prosecution says that you could not be a normal member of society again, and that he'd stop being a normal member of society when he started smashing people in the head with hammers. This is true. Very true. Uh, they reminded the court of his previous statements about wanting to kill 100 women. They also brought up his previous statements about how sluts deserve to die. Yeah. He responds, you responds, my actions cannot be justified. If we live in a society where like people like me can live a good life, there will be another Yu Young Chol. I am thankful for the prosecutor's request for the death penalty. I will be repenting what I have done until the day that I die. Hmm. <laughs> December 13th, you is in court staring blankly as the verdict is finally handed down by the judges. This is a direct quote. With most of the 20 victims being women and the elderly, use case is a serious crime that has no parallel in the nation's history. We sentence him to death, having considered his motive, the method of murder, 
and the shock his killing spree gave to the bereaved families and to the public, even though he felt sorry for the bereaved families of the victims at the end of the trial. He was found guilty of 20 of the 21 murders and acquitted for the murder of the Imundong woman due to a lack of evidence and also him cons- constantly recanting his confession. Kept changing the story up. The prosecutors, though, are actually kind of pissed about that. And they say that his confession was never coerced. He just immediately started talking. So why does it make sense to believe that he lied when we, you know, yeah. there was no coercion? And they go, the, the, the lower court is like, listen, we made our determination. And they go, we're going to take this up and we're going to appeal it and we're going to take it to the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. Throughout all of this, you doesn't react at all. He leaves the courtroom wearing his blue prison uniform, aware that he might be the first person to be hung in South Korea since December 31st, 1997. What? That's, uh, that's a good date to be hung. Uh, that was the date where they actually did a mass hanging of, I believe, 20 different inmates. Oh. Who were previously on death row. Right, right. That's just, oh, okay. While the appeal's going through, he's waiting in the Seoul Detention Center. Uh, and the National Assembly is locked in this gigantic debate over whether capital punishment should be abolished in South Korea. There have been previous attempts to change the law in 1999 and 2001, but both failed. They're essentially having the same argument that we've been having in the United States and the rest of the world has been having. Capital punishment doesn't deter crime in absolutely any way. Right, right. But supporters say this isn't about deterring crime, and it's more about protecting citizens from extremely dangerous criminals who shouldn't be given the opportunity to come back or come back into society. I mean, right about that. Uh, South Korea is still very divided on this issue. Uh, One survey that I saw had about two-thirds of the population agree that it was necessary. In another poll that was given after a TV show about a hero facing execution, those numbers were opposite only one third of people supported it (laughs) i mean which just goes to show you that depending on what the situation i guess yeah what people are taking in Mm. determines how they feel about this on june 9th 2005 a year later uh you here's the final victim a verdict from the supreme court they agree with the previous court and also reject the prosecution's appeal of the imun dong case Uh. 17 days later, the National Assembly receives a letter from the Ministry of Justice criticizing their legislation and attempt to abolish capital punishment. And not only that, they directly cite Yu Young Chol in this letter saying, if brutal murderers are not condemned to capital punishment, then it will go against the public's feelings of justice and the victim's grudges and their feelings of private revenge will increase. Hmm. Okay. As of 2021, he is 51 years old and currently on death row with 60 other convicts as South Korea continues debating. Uh, Should we kill these people or not? uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's a tough topic. It is a tough topic, and it's one that... uh, well, I guess my question for you is, how do you feel about capital punishment in the United States? Uh, people always ask, people, a couple people have asked me in the live, and I said, if America didn't have a justice system that was 
steeped in white supremacy and racial injustice? Sure. But there have been far too many people who were falsely put in prison and falsely put on death row. This is true. Uh, because they were convicted in the 1960s or the 1970s. And Jim Crow, you know. Right, during the Jim Crow era. And so because some of those people were just grabbed, I mean, or like the Central Park Five, like right, right. they wanted those boys to yes. be the ones who did that crime. Yes, they did. Even though the evidence did not support it at all. And so if we were better at being actually judiciously fair, sure, I'd support it. Like for a Ted Bundy, I support it. Oh yeah, of course. There was no doubt in anyone's mind that he did he did it. Like, Same thing with uh Ramirez. Mm-hmm. No doubt. So but you're like, saying serial killers. Well, there needs to be no doubt that this person did this crime. If there is any doubt at all, I don't support it. Okay. I feel that. I feel it. Well yeah. This leads us to your time. Well, that was another great story by Brittany. Let's let's just bask in that beauty real quick. A serial killer that I didn't know about and mm-hmm. All right, but yeah. Great story. Great story. Well, thank you. Thank you. This was really tough. Like I said, uh there's one book about this man and it's roughly uh thirty letters that he sent back and forth with the writer. And then Everything else came from about 60 different articles and also the police report. Yeah, that's that's a lot of stuff to go through. I, I fortunately, don't have to go through so much. <laughs> well, I'm so interested in what you decided to, to look up this week. Okay. Mm-mm. When Killers Get Caught is sponsored by The Magic Class Boutique. Now, why does that name sound so familiar? Well, it's because it's a business ran by our very own Brittany. That's right. The Magic Class Boutique is not only a black-owned business, it's a woman-owned as well. This is a jewelry company that makes some pretty awesome earrings, ranging from cute little sushis to spooky mermaid skeletons. There are even adorable self-defense keychains for those just-in-case moments. And introducing the Serial Collection. This set of earrings is based off of Serial Killers and the official merch for the podcast. This collection features everything a serial killer would need to pull off their crimes, from hunting knives at the beginning of their crimes to warding keys for when they eventually get caught. Check out themagicclasp.com today where you can use our promo code CAUGHT to receive 15% off of your online order. That's T-H-E-M-A-G-I-C-C-L-A-S-P dot com and use promo code CAUGHT for 15% off and make sure you tell Brittany that I sent you. Well, hold on one sec. I'm sorry. Um, well, keeping in the spirit of Women's History Month, and seeing as today is International Women's Day. The day we're recording it. Yeah. Yeah, the day we're recording it. It's a Monday. Um, and, you know, after I realized it was International Women's Day, I was like, oh, maybe this is the greatest story to put up on here. Yay. But um, we're going to see how it goes over. But, um. So, I'll be covering an actual woman in history. 
Okay. Oh, and heads up, the next two weeks, um, I'm going to be doing, it's gonna, my, my, my story's going to be like a two-parter, Ooh. hopefully. If not, it'll be a three-parter if it's, if I get enough. But um, we're going to finish up Women's History Month, the, the month of March, um, with a bang. A nice, okay. a nice uh, paranormal story. Okay. Yeah. About, well, I don't know if I should tell you. I'll, I'll tell you. Don't tell us. Tell us next week. I'll tell you guys next week. And then you'll know for the week after that. So I don't have to be secretive about it anymore. <laughs> oh, so yeah. I just got my book in today. So I can actually start working on. Oh, right. Right. You've been waiting for that book for like a couple weeks. Yes. Now. Oh, my God. Finally, your book came in. So guys, get ready. For a week, for for hearing my voice talking about the same subject two weeks in a row. All right. But tonight, I'll be talking about one of the most well-known well, witch trials slash witches in Scotland. Ooh. Yes. No Salem witch trials this week. Mm-hmm. Maybe for Halloween. I don't know. Yeah, I'll think about it. Um, anyway, I'll be discussing Agnes Sampson. Uh, she's a healer. She was a healer, midwife, and accused witch. So, the story starts in 1590. King James the Sixth goes to Denmark because he's going to bring back Princess Anne of Den of Denmark, who had already tried to to sail to Scotland, mm-hmm. but for reasons. Um, her ship was bombarded by storms. Oh, so it it almost like her ship almost capsized. So she had to turn back. So uh, what we're saying is, you know, the the whoever the deity is of the day was like, you don't need to be going here. Who's that? Who's it? Was Denmark? I don't, I don't no, know. I said deity. I yeah, I know. I'm, I'm trying to think. I of, don't know who could be in it's charge. It's 1590, here. so it's probably Jesus, the God, the, the whatever the God at the daddy. time was like, you know what. You don't need to be on this boat, girl. Stay home. It may have been Poseidon. Who knows? There you go. <laughs> Either way, they were like, listen, just stay home. Leave him. Yeah. But since he didn't want to lose the marriage or his wife-to-be, um, King James sails to Denmark so he can bring her home to Scotland. Also, side note, is this the same King James responsible for the horrible edition of the Bible? possibly <laughs> i just i only know one king james and i'm like king james edition that horrible bible a king james the sixth possibly i'm not sure okay well he's the sixth so there could be five others who could be responsible for the there bible. you go sorry my bad didn't mean to say, put you off no but um side note king this king james he actually did write a book after all of this okay um it was yeah. Okay. But either We're, way, he's gone for his lady. Okay. So he's going to get his 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 wife to be. Now on his way to Denmark, his ship is attacked by storms as well. He just doesn't understand. Listen, the goddess does not want it to happen. So, but he he makes it to Denmark either way. So while he while he's in the castle in Denmark, he he hears a lot of stories about witchcraft, and there are even two women who are arrested for witchcraft Oh, um, while he's there. And apparently those two confessed, quote, confessed to um, causing the storms 
<laughs> that made um, Prince, Princess Anne and his ship almost capsize. So, yeah. So, side note. There's a book that added to the witch hysteria in uh, Europe. Okay. Um, I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's, I guess, if you want to, uh, English, it's The Witch Hammer. Okay. So the book is uh, The Malice, Malif, Malif, Karam, Malif Karam. There you go. I'm looking at that. <clears throat> but yeah, so it's the witch hammer. Okay. Um, I like as soon as I saw the name witch hammer, I was like, okay, I know this book. I know this book for somewhere, and like I've heard of of it before, but it's also in that game I play. Oh. Because <laughs> I'm hunting a witch in the business. I'm like, oh, but okay, it's, it's called the, the witch and hammer. But um, interesting. So this actually became. It became a witch hunter's handbook, basically. Oh. So, um, so it it gives you like details on how to spot a witch or what to look for when you're hunt- looking for witches. I'm so um, interested in what those could be. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so this is written by Heinrich uh, Kramer. Um, is after so many of so many of so many women that he accused or arrested of being witches were set free. So he had like a, a certain vendetta and after like the last you have question but hold on after like the last woman that was like set free he was like all right you know cuz he was already writing this book beforehand and while he was accusing you know women of being witches um but after like a certain amount of them like were just set free he was just like you know what this book has to come out. People need to know how to spot witches if I can't. Here's the problem. Here's where my head's going. Mm-hmm. Everybody you accused was released. So maybe you are not the person who should be writing the book <laughs> on how to catch witches. But, but like, he is already You're started. not good at it. <laughs> He's like, listen, I already started writing my book, so I might as well finish. Yep, I might as well publish but it. I'm like, buddy, you should just stop. Mm. I, I kind of want to get this book, but I really don't want to get this book. I absolutely want to see this book. It's going to be awful. It's going to be yeah. the most worst thing ever. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to note this right now. This book was extremely misogynistic. Oh, I'm sure it is. Of course. <laughs> it's like I, ages ago, I saw this um, TikTok where this guy was just like, he played both the characters, <laughs> but he was just like, you know, medieval time. Uh, the guy's like, is that a book, Marjorie? Oh, oh, right. I saw this. I saw this. Yeah, yes. like the little black kid in the woods. He's yes. just like, is that a book, Marjorie? She's like, what are you? What are you talking about? I can't read. <laughs> this psh, throws it in the wilderness. Yes. And then yeah, he's like, what's two plus two? He's like, I don't know math. And then uh, he's like, okay, you're free to live another day. And then he walks away and he looks at the side of the building. And it was like Marjorie was here. Guys, yeah, yeah. Men suck. And he's like, which? Um, yeah. That's what I think about whenever I think about like how terrible those days must be. Like, yeah. look at you, silly woman. You can't read. <sighs> and I'm like, yeah, because when you when I read, y'all kill us. <laughs> like, dang, this I'm is just sorry. like with slavery. I'm sorry, I'm laughing, but that is it's the truth, and that's fucking terrible. Um, 
So what, I think about that sometime with slavery too. Like, yeah. How many of these people were like? But yeah, since you're black, you obviously can't read, or you're not supposed to be able to read. I was just thinking, like, not even that. Like, okay, so there's a certain amount of things that happen, like just through osmosis. Like, if you see certain words over and over again, you're gonna begin to recognize it's, them. It's like immersion therapy, and that can get therapy. you in trouble. No, it's like immersion, like immersion into like a a, a different country or right. You ev- eventually you'll begin to notice. I'm like, how many people got in trouble because they just recognized the sign for shop? Or yeah, that's oh, that sign says stop. I gotta stop. Oh, who told you how to read, boy? Right? Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. But regardless, <laughs> terrible so times. This weird dude creates this awful book about not knowing how to catch witches because he doesn't know how to catch them. Yeah, and so one source I read said that it claimed that it claims that um oh oh witchcraft. That's <laughs> a I wrote I. I sure handed it. It's uh, <laughs> I claim it claimed that witchcraft stems for from carnal lust, which is allegedly insatiable in women. Ah, yes, yes. This is very typical of the yes, time. Yes, yes. So, mm-hmm. if if you're a woman and just a woman, be careful. Back in the fifteenth, the fourteenth century. I mean, even now, it's that goofy <laughs> this thought is true. process of like, you know, uh, a lock that can open every key is a master lock what? but you ever heard that like what? stupid comparison <laughs> as to why like when men have lots of partners they're studs and women who aren't are you know slutty well then no like they uh, listen here what are, what are we being compared to today women but it's the notion that like uh, a lock that opens with any key is worthless but a key that can open any lock is you know a master key mm- and I'm can just I, like, one, I'm a person, can I not just, a lock. Can I just say, I want to cuss, and I feel <laughs> I can't. I'm trying not, I'm trying my best not to oh, cuss, yeah. but mom, mm-mm, N-word, are you, care, are you serious? <laughs> are you serious right oh, now? Oh, yeah, people say that stuff all the time. It's so bizarre. But, so, any, but it, I mean, but that also, like, ties into, like, what they thought during the, like, was it the 50s? Like hysteria mm-hmm. was because women weren't having enough orgasms, so you would go to the doctor and he would use his uh, device on you, and that would relieve your hysteria. No N word. It's because you couldn't make her orgasm. Maybe <laughs> she's d- stressed because she's not getting it at home. Who knows? You weren't pleasing her. You were doing what you're supposed to do. You just worry about yourself. Oh, I'm not getting into this. Well, at least in the 1400s, they were like, "Listen, y'all are nasty." And it's not my fault that I can't satiate you. Yes, it so, is. So you're yes. a witch. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Yes, yes, it is your fault, sir, because you don't know what the fuck you're doing. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, anyway. Ah. <laughs> uh, oh, so when King James goes back to Scotland, I'm sorry. It's just ridiculous. Come on. This is the world we live in. Nam. Nem and the audacity. Oh my god. But anyway, he he's got his lady now. So King James comes back um to Scotland from Denmark. With Queen Anne. With with Princess, Princess Anne. Soon to be Queen yes, Anne. yes, yes, yes. Um he also comes back with paranoia of witches. Oh right, right, right. <laughs> so so much that he authorized the persecution and torture of suspected witches. Oh, of course he did. Yeah, of course he did. Um so this part 
is the oh this part is the same like worldwide i think at this time um women that were accused uh, that were accused of w- being witches were healers um the herbalists or midwives and they were impoverished women mm-hmm. um also often uh women of color this is true too uh, yeah uh, unfortunately yeah now this um this happening in in scotland is i guess it's called the great scottish witch trial oh wow scotland witch trial or something like that no no i've never heard of it yeah before. yeah so that's the thing where a lot of women and some men were accused and persecuted as witches um so oh god i don't, I don't know where it's so funny not funny fact mm-hmm. um in order for the and so apparently apparently um they believe that i guess witchism affected <laughs> the <laughs> i'm sorry so yeah, I don't know how how to how to say this, but like witchism, okay, like it only if like it it greatly affects infants. So if you're an infant, you're very susceptible susceptible of being into like witchcraft. Witchified. Yeah, you're being witchified. Um, so <laughs> I mean that thought process. Especially because they believe witchcraft came from the devil. Mm-hmm. Infants are supposedly pure, very susceptible to evil, mm-hmm. yada yada. This is pretty consistent lore, it sounds like. Yeah. So they would like they would have a midwife and then what she would do is tape up all the windows with just you know, just to keep all the evil spirits out. Oh, okay. And mm-hmm. yes, and the only people that were allowed in the room were the midwife and the woman giving birth. But if there were complications with the woman or if the baby was stillborn, uh-huh. the midwife would be accused of being a witch. Dang. So. Not that it's, you know. 1600 and there's no medicine yeah and it's just like mm, if there's anything wrong with the baby or the woman has problems you're the problem okay okay so that was my little side fact um so we're in the spring of i guess this is 1591 now um when a man named david seaton starts to suspect his housemate housemate of witchcraft her name is, ooh, I didn't know her name, but I'm pretty sure I got it right. Uh, Gillis, Gilly, Gil, Gillis, whatever. Gilly, no, no, whatever. <laughs> Gillius, Gillius, I'm guessing Duncan. Anyway, soon to be one of the most well-known witches in Scotland. Mm. I'm pretty sure there was a book written about her, and there's a TV show that is about her as well. Um, the Outlanders. Oh, yeah. The, Out- Out- the Outlander or Outlanders. I think it was on like Hulu. I remember seeing lots of something like that commercials. Um, so Sutton says that his housemaid would go sneak out at night 
Right. And right. would come back with magical healing powers. Oh. Right, right. So obviously, this was more enough to convict her of being a witch. Right, obviously. She's yeah. keeping people from getting sick. She's a witch. Yes, obviously. So soon as she would be taken and tortured severely, um, there was a torture method that they used on her. It's called Pilly Winks. You want to know what Pilly Winks are? It sounds awful. It's, I mean, the name is terrible. But, um, so it's basically a, a thumb crushing torture. Oh, jeez. Um, there's, she was also uh, wrenched, which is, um, you're crushing someone's head between rope. Yeah. So that's a thing that happened to her. So did she like admit she was a witch eventually? So apparently, so apparently, uh, Seton finds a devil's mark on her body. Do you know what a devil's mark is? A birthmark. <laughs> yeah, a devil's mark is basically a birthmark. Oh no! So, um, devil's mark is supposed to be a permanent mark on a witch's body left by the devil. When he either clawed or branded or even licked the individual. So he's behind the mark if he licks you? Yeah. Apparently it would be like in the shape of a skull or something like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so in order like to find this devil's mark, they usually shaved the, the accused um, head to toe. Oh. Like they'd be bald and like everything. Um, but yeah, so apparently he finds a devil's mark. If, you know, that's not a... But what was it? What kind? I don't know. Aw, boo. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was just a birthmark somewhere. Um, anyway. Um. Right, right. So she, after she's been tortured enough, she confessed to being a witch. Right. And causing the storms. Also, like... Yeah, on not eat not only in Denmark were they causing storms, but apparently in Scotland they were causing storms. Okay. <laughs> but another witch already said that she did those ones. Yes, but they're still looking for more. They think there are more than just those two witches. Um so in causing the storms that interrupted the world voyage across the sea. So not only did she did she um confess, but she blamed other women. Uh, yeah, that's what they had to do. Yep. You didn't let you go. Like, you have, to, other you have to name other women. Yep. So, no doubt she was just coerced into doing so. Um, one of them was Agnes Sampson. Okay. So, Agnes was quickly arrested and interrogated and accused of meeting with the devil and others to conjure the storms Halloween night in, ni- in 1590. Yes. Of course, she denied having any part in this, and of course, they tortured her as well. The torture, uh, the torture got worse every time she denied it. Oh wow! Yeah, that would happen. Like they, it just got kept getting worse. Um. So, how do they think the women cause the storms? You ask. I'm ready. <laughs> so. So this is the method that they they thought witches did to cause storms. Right. Um. So apparently, they ma- they made her confess to sinking a dead cat with pieces of a dead man. 
Jesus. into the sea. Okay. So not only did she did they make her confess to doing this, but there are apparently other women who or other accused who confessed to doing this as well. So that is how they thought that they were messing with the storms or messing with the the sea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so she also confessed that the devil offered to help her and her children since she was poor and oh, a widow. Goodness. Yeah. Um and oh, this is the funny part. So King James did not believe her story at all. He, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? He didn't. He said I'm a witch, so I gotta make it good. <laughs> he didn't believe. Like this is a funny. This is a stupid. This is how stupid this this was. He didn't believe, even though like they accused her of being a witch, and they tortured her into confessing to being a witch, and she gave them a confession. He's like, I still don't believe you. I don't believe anything you're saying to me. So, what do we do now? So, um, I have part of, like, okay, so, anyway, the News of Scotland pamphlet has this interview, well, part of the interview, um, and apparently she told King James things that she shouldn't know. Oh. Yeah. Um, let me read let me get that pull out real quick and I will read it to you. Okay. <laughs> it says the said Agnes Sampson confessed before the King's Majesty sundry things which were so miraculous and strange as that his majesty said they were all extreme liars. Whereat she answered, she would not wish his ma- his majesty to suppose her words to be false, but rather believe them, and that she would discover so such much such ma- oh my god such she would discover such matter unto him as his majesty should not any way doubt of, and thereupon taking his majesty a little aside. She declared unto him the very words which passed between the king's majesty and his queen and at Oslo. <laughs> what are those words? It doesn't say. Oh. So in Norway, uh, let me what finish. What are the words that made him shook? In Norway, <laughs> hold on, hold on. And so apparently, this is stuff that happened in Norway. Okay. Uh, Denmark, Norway ish. <clears throat> the first night of their marriage. With their with their answer to each other, whereat the king's majesty wondered greatly and swore by the living God that he believed that all the devils in hell could not have discovered the same, acknowledging her words to be most true, and therefore gave the more credit to the rest which is before declared. Okay, so basically, if you couldn't understand that, I barely understood it. Um. Yeah. So basically, he interviewed her, and he was like, all right, look, I think you're bullshitting. Can you, like, I don't know, give me some proof of you doing witch stuff, witchy stuff? <laughs> and, <laughs> and she's like, oh, yeah. I 
Remember the night of your honeymoon and uh, <laughs> yes. you were being real creepy so, and your girl made fun of you? I, I was going to say that. <laughs> so I, I, I was consorting with the devil that night of your honeymoon and I heard that your wife said that you got a small pee-pee. <laughs> and he's like, no one should know this information. How does anybody know this information? No one would ever know this information. So... Apparently she's true. She 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 was the real deal. She's a real deal. All quote right, unquote so unquote. What's she doing that? Quote unquote quote unquote. So after her confession, she was unfortunately strangled to death. Oh. Then burned at the stake. Dang. Yeah. So. <laughs> Dang, it probably did have to do something to do with the penis. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay. So the reason you'd burn a witch at the stake after death is because they thought that the devil could still possess the body. So they had to destroy it. If that makes sense to you. Um now before her death, while they were questioning her, you know, torturing her, well, she was stripped naked and you know, her body you know, her entire body was shaved and they found I guess a devil's mark. Um, she was also forced to wear a witch's uh, bridle, which is like an iron muzzle that wraps around your entire head and has spikes on the inside of it. So it goes inside your mouth and the spike, the one half of the spike like rests on your tongue and the other spikes like press up against your cheek. Mm. So it made it really, really impossible for her to talk. Mm. Yeah. Um, there were seventy witches, including her, that were, you know, killed and burned at the stake. Um, many of those who were accused of witchcraft were healers. Um, their medical knowledge was viewed as evil and demonic. Uh, since the medical field was mostly male, they felt extremely threatened so i'm gonna say this right now um and to all my male listeners i don't care uh many shit and fuck the patriarchy and misogyny can go to hell oh <laughs> that's that's what i gotta say about that um apparently now Brittany, yeah have you <laughs> have you finished uh, american horror story apocalypse no, because it was horrible. Okay, well, it was weird. Uh, it's this it's a second season of the Coven. Okay. Oh wait, no, no, yes, that one I did. I thought you meant like Cult. No, no Cult no, no. was weird. Apocalypse was great. Yeah, Apocalypse sorry, was great. Sorry, sorry. But um, in one of the episodes, the warlock, the of course the men, right? Um, they create this potion mm-hmm. that will kill the witches. Right now. Um, the head witch, she's like, you guys are so fucking late. Let me tell you, because our girl Agnes Sampson created this many, many years ago. Oh, before she wow, was killed. I didn't get that reference. Yeah, so they reference her in American Horror Story, Fun. which okay. is awesome. And I was just like, oh, well, I didn't really catch that. I didn't catch her name at first, but right. now, no, yeah, I definitely didn't. I go back and watch and. I apologize, but my my story is short this week. 
That's and all for Agnes? That's all for Agnes because there wasn't really much backstory for her. And she just died? And she just... They just killed her like that? She was, um, yeah, accused of witch, tortured, and then murdered. They didn't even... She didn't come back? She ain't haunt nobody? No. Oh, wait. There is a thing I saw on Wikipedia. Okay. It's, apparently, there's a... So, wherever she was, like... Oh, tell me. Come <laughs> on. I'm here for that. <clears throat> okay. So, wherever she was, I guess, burned at the stake or, um, you know, killed. You said she was strangled, right? Yeah. Where she strangled. And her body was burned afterward. Yeah. So, wherever... um, It's called the Palace of Holly... Holly Rood House. Okay. Um... So there's a ghost of her, the naked ghost of bald Agnes, mm. stripped and tortured after the accused witchcraft. Yeah, she probably looks jacked up. Yeah, so apparently her ghost still roams around oh. in Scotland. Sad. But yeah, that's basically all I have for that. Um, that like I said, this was a sad story today. I, I was trying not to, and then I what you said you thought it was a what? Sad. It is pretty. Messed up. It was a pretty dismal story today. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Especially on inter- like that's why I was like <laughs> International Women's Day. Why would I like well, you know what? That's okay though. I was already writing it and then I was like, oh wait. What made you want to discuss a a a witch from Ireland? Scotland. Scotland. Oops. <laughs> Ooh, somebody gonna get mad at me. Don't you Um Scotland. I don't know. I was looking up because I wanted to, I did want to talk about witches at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, okay, let me find something that's not Salem and find something that's, you know, not American or um, not United States related. So, right, right, right. Um, so I was like, well, and then Scott is like, this was a big trial. Like, I'm pretty sure there are more stories into this. Yeah, yeah, there are probably lots more people. Yeah, there are definitely a lot more people. Um, also, I mean, some of their methods were particularly awful. Yeah. So, King James, he did write a book after, I guess, the the Witch Hammer. Mm-hmm. I forget what the, 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 book, uh, the name of the book is called, but it was basically another witch hunter's guide. <sighs> um, but yeah, um, and another thing about king of scotland <laughs> oh my god <laughs> she's looking him up i want to see if i can oh, find any witch hammer but... by the way you can find it on amazon you can find the witch hammer on amazon if you really really want to read it i want to read an excerpt oh my god wow that is a title isn't it i told you malleus maleficarum four out of five on Barnes and nobles yeah it's true Wait, four out of five. Four out of five. Mm. I mean, I guess it is part of like history of Scotland, but it's still so. like terrible misogynistic text. That's which, why I want to see it. Which we can say that about a lot of stuff over here as well. Oh, this makes no sense. What are you seeing? Um, stuff like when the primeval ox passed away, it fell to the right hand. The Gaiamard afterwards when he passed away to the left hand. Seven chieftains of the planet have come into the seven chieftains of the constellation. What in the world? (laughs) 
conflict of the creator. This is like an alternative, like biblical. Yeah, just a little bit. The second conflict was waged with the water because the, as the star of Tishtar was in Cancer, the water, which is in the subdivision they call Avrak, was pouring on the same day when the destroyer rushed in and came again into notice for mischief in the direction of the west. Like, I'm at chapter, like, nine, and it's just continually talking about this. Yeah. The um, conflict with the war. When do we get to the war? The witch part? I don't, I don't know. I didn't read I didn't read it, of course, but I saw <sighs> people talking about it. Anyway, um, the witch hammer was also, like, alongside, I guess, the Catholic Church was, they, they basically, they were hand-in-hand hand with accusing women of being witches. Mm-hmm. At this time, and I mean, it's not surprising at all. Devil stuff, but yeah, that's what I got this week. I and hope you guys. Sisters. I hope you guys enjoyed it, or if you hated it, I understand because. Uh, well, you know, there's always next week. Yeah, no, next week's going to be a doozy for you guys, and I hope everybody likes it. Um. It's I hope I find someone that I can use as a book resource and not have to sort through look piles of newspaper articles. Look, let me tell you, <laughs> I've bought so many books as we started this podcast now. <laughs> Good. One day we'll have a backdrop and we'll have all of the books together. Yes. And like every, I've, I've been borrowing books from the library. <laughs> like every topic, like I can't, I don't want to borrow books. I don't like, if I'm into this stuff, I'm going to read it anyway. So I might as well have it. That's true. Yeah. But yeah, thanks so much for listening. Yeah, thank for you For supporting guys. the podcast, following on TikToks or any other social media. Right. And I'm going to say my my famous line for like the past three episodes. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, make sure you leave a five-star rating if you like the podcast or any rating if you enjoyed it. Um, And also leave a review because we like to hear from you guys and we like to see how we're doing absolutely um and don't forget if you want to leave us a voicemail you go to anchor.fm and leave us a voicemail on <laughs> when killers get caught <laughs> when killers get caught and you can also send us emails um at cult podcast at gmail.com if you want us to read any scary stories or if you have anything to say to us Ooh, absolutely. Would love to hear some of your very scary stories. Right? I can read those on the, on the next episode. Things happen to you. Absolutely. But um, I think that's it. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. All Thanks right. Thanks so much. Thank you, listening. guys. Bye.